Yes. Guess who? You are now listening to the sounds of Sports Reports is ordered. We got Mr. Logical in the house. Yeah. And of course, I'm 2-5. Tonight. That's my radio voice, y'all. Tonight. <laughs> getting something off our chest as we usually do and as only we can. Then we're going to preview the NFC South. The South will not rise again. And then we're going to talk about the memo that the NBA sent out to these 30 teams, letting them know that Damian Lillard could be coming to a franchise near you. But Mr. Logical, what's the word? Just over here watching this Hall of Fame game. You know, standard. Worst football NFL. game I've ever seen. NFL highlights on the uh, on the TV. Yo, you know, I don't I know. Some of my, my military memorabilia in the background for the aesthetic, you know. Shout out to Korea, 51st Maintenance Squadron. 52nd, you know, component maintenance squadron, Spain Island Air Base. I was there from 01 to 05. And if you look up top, I have another one for Honor Guard. Yeah, yeah. You know, did a year with the Honor Guard during the 60th anniversary of World War II. It was very eye-opening. I went to Belgium and did a ceremony in Belgium. One of the one of the guys' grandmothers was there, and she was part of the group of people that were uh, – basically held captive by the Nazis and these this army soldiers came in and freedom and a couple of those guys were there. So it was, it was, you know, it was, it was a lot of fun to see that and the, to see, see these guys that gave their speeches, the passion they had, like literally like they had fought in on that road that I was marching down for this parade with the honor guard six years earlier. So that's why I figured I got to get some of this stuff on the wall. You know, I, I did a lot of time. So I might as well just start, displaying you know celebrating your career you know for sure so for that's sure. my uh that's my plug for the day you know so i'm hoping not to make light of what you just said because that's special but hopefully i can survive this football game because <laughs> i'm trying to figure out you know i get it right we've been we haven't had football since february so i besides the xfl you know but i imagine a lot of people that are excited for the NFL tonight might not have watched the XFL, you know. But as I sit here watching the Karen Rogers less Jets against the Deshaun Cosby less Browns, I just I'm sitting here trying to figure out why sports fans do these things to me. You know, Mr. Logical always talks about how I get all emotionally invested into the sports and you know i you know it it drives me nuts so what drives me nuts today (laughs) two five what drives me nuts today is that i've been waiting for football just like y'all you know what i mean but i got morals and principles y'all so i was looking at this and the cheapest ticket i found on StubHub. But this abomination that's on my TV right now was $146 to get into Canton, Ohio tonight. You know, and I was sitting there and it took me back to just two months ago where people said, oh, Heat Nuggets, who wants to watch that? 
Nobody cares about the Heat, the Nuggets. Ah, where's the Lakers? Oh, I need this. And I'm sitting up here like, so you're watching Kellen Mond against Zach Wilson. And this is supposed to be entertaining? Riveting, riveting football. I think not. You know, how did we get here? Like, how did how did we get to this point where football is like a religion for us to the standpoint that we will put up with this garbage in the sake of, I mean, I don't know, is it just an excuse to get drunk so everybody's excited? Like, you can break out the Coors Light that you had hidden when your boy didn't want you to drink Coors Light no more a couple of months ago. Now you go and dust them off and bring them back out the garage because it's okay to support Bud Light again. You know, I don't understand what we're doing right now. Like, you know, because I'm sitting here and I can honestly tell you, I have never watched one NBA preseason game. I have never, like, watched any spring training. Like, I get reports. I keep up with it. I read it. Don't watch it at all. The only reason I'm watching this right now is because we're recording right now. And, you know, I needed something on in the background. And got to be in the sports mode. Yeah, I got to be in the sports mode. But all I'm watching is two bum-ass franchises playing the bummiest of their bummiest players. And you want me to be excited. You know what I'm saying? So as Mr. Logical says, you know, if you're going tank, you know what I'm saying, don't charge me regular prices. So for the people that are in this stadium right now, I get it. Canton doesn't have a team. The locals probably, you know, but I'm sure there's people that flew from all over, you know, because it is the Hall of Fame game. Give these people something to watch. Throw Aaron Rodgers out there for two series. You know, let Deshaun, you know, get out there and throw something around. You know what I mean? Like, just just give these people a reason to come to the stadium and give me a reason to want to turn on the TV. That's what I wanted to get off my chest. We was going to watch no matter what. We I know. Aaron play him. Zach Wilson was drafted number two overall a couple years ago. He shouldn't be playing. People at Canton, Ohio, I'm not sure where Canton is in relation to Cleveland or Cincinnati, but I imagine that Ohio's a pretty decent-sized state. I'm not sure exactly where Canton is, but the 146 bucks for this game at this field is probably a field they use for, like, big high school games because Ohio football is pretty huge. Like, being Mr. Ohio, the football is pretty big. So, so looking at a quick so map, I imagine, I'm, yeah. look, looking at a quick map real quick, so Akron is basically centered between Canton and Cleveland. You know, and so Canton, I guess, would be closer to Youngstown, for example. So probably going into that Pennsylvania side of Ohio. So they're probably more Steelers fans in Canton? That makes sense to me. Okay. But yeah, so I mean, they get the game. But to answer your question of why we watch this, I saw something interesting yesterday on, on social media. And it said that men are dreamers it was like it was a conversation about like why men don't celebrate their birthdays and something like that it's like because men are dreamers like we we have visions of like what life is supposed to be like at a certain age and when your birthday comes around if it doesn't really line up you don't really want to celebrate it but if you are a fan of a sports franchise and it's a football franchise and it's august 
that dream is huge. This is our year. Josh Allen looks good. You know, he's lost like 10 pounds of fat, put on five pounds of muscle. He's now he's running like a 4-4. Stephon Diggs, they did this kumbaya camp. Oh, man, we're going to get Delvin Cook for the cheap. Oh, we're going to get this. Oh, that left tackle we got out of Youngstown State. Oh, he's going to be a stud. Everybody's dreaming. That's why we are watching this game. That's why I have on this iPad here next to me. That's why you have it on your TV there. Not just because we're recording, but we would have watched it anyway. It would have been on in some form of fashion. I don't think I would have watched it. it I didn't watch it last TV. year. You would have been just kind of wandering around, but it would have probably been on the TV. I didn't watch now, it last year. Last show, year, I was... so you know, we would have talked about it. If we weren't recording tonight, we would have recorded tomorrow. We would have talked about the game and whatever the case. So, so at some point, it probably yeah, I would have probably on. said something like, Makai Becton limping off the field, but you know what I mean? Yeah. I would have read that online. I wouldn't have seen it. Yeah, so, I mean, it happens. So, but yeah, I, I can see what you mean, but we're going to watch because we're dreamers. Like, we're going to do our NFC South preview, and I'm Atlanta Falcons fans. I'm going to try to hold down my emotions. But everything everything we're seeing here is just like, hey, it's all just banter and fantasy. Mixed in with some fact based off history. But yeah, yeah, we're dreamers, man. And that's why we watch every year. That's why Florida State fans come out excited every year. That's why LSU fans come out excited every year. That's see why y'all people, Labor Day weekend, baby. This is, this is why we watch the draft. This is why. But see, we that's why watch... I like college football. Ain't no preseason. Just get out on the field and smack somebody. Yeah, but it's a lot of spring games because they, they put out stats for that spring game, and we talk about that spring game. But the and spring all that game too. is against yourself, though. Like you know what I mean? It's basically yeah, but it's, a it's still the it's the same premise as this Hall of Fame game. Where yeah, it's just, and, and and all y'all people in Columbus, Ohio, I need y'all to get a life. How the hell did ninety thousand of y'all have enough time to go to Ohio State's spring game? Oh, Alabama had the same thing. Listen, I went it's to ignorant. I went to Pittsburgh two years ago for that weekend, and they had their spring game. And there's a bunch. This was the year Kenny Pickett got drafted, so he wasn't even on the team anymore. There's a bunch of people at at Heinz Field watching their uh, spring game, watching Keaton Slovis. So, <laughs> yeah, now that Mike, you know, got all mad at football because it's not the NBA Finals and all these other fans. I'm going to lighten the mood. I might get off my chest because it's just more of a uh, a self-preservation thing. Y'all got to stop getting out of here in these rodeos and trying to play rodeo clown with these bulls. <laughs> I've seen like three videos come to my phone in the last like 24 hours of people. Oh, you got to stand in this circle and avoid the bulls. It's like, listen, if you go to the rodeo and you have eight or nine Milwaukee bests in the parking lot, and then you come in and you sneak a little jack in. It doesn't make you invincible to bulls. Don't go out there in your capri pants <laughs> and your mom tank top and think you go just tap this bull. Like it's not. It's not a good look. Stop risking your organs. It's not Spain where it's tradition and you can get a hell of a lead on these bulls or run sideways. You are in a ring of dirt with an animal that runs through dirt. Humans don't run through dirt. Why do you think people working out on the beach is tough? Why do you think NFL players work out on the beach? Because it's tougher to run through sand and mud and dirt. You out there in your mom jeans or your car hard work pants straight from the mechanic shop. Like, stop it. Stop risking your liver and your kidneys and your neck 
for entertainment when people are already out here willing to ride the bull there's people already with that are wearing cages and chest plates and you out here in a tank top and capri pants leave these bulls alone it is not fun it is not a good look to risk <laughs> your life for my 60 second instagram video entertainment Yo, how long Stop does that it. how long does that last because i know like on, when you're riding the bull, like at the rodeo, it's, it's you can stay on for eight seconds. You're eight you seconds. Yeah, yeah. This is just, these are just people. These are just people who, running from the bull. People came out of the audience into the rodeo ring, and they let the bull out. And I don't know if it's like a fifty dollar prize or like a Walmart gift card. I have no idea what it is, but whatever it is, it's not worth the liver. I'm telling you, man, this lady got hit so hard by this bull. And the thing about it. She was the closest one to the gate. They opened the gate and she just froze. And this bull hit her like a. Remember how Reggie Bush got hit when Drew Brees threw that little screen pass? And the dude, yo, it yeah. looked like that, except she flew like 15 feet. But they kept the little contest going while she just laid in the dirt. I swear to God, man. Like she just was laying in the dirt. And they were like, all right, all right, everyone get out of the ring now. Now we're going to call the EMT. <laughs> This lady laid there for this entire event while this bull just was chasing three other people who saw that and didn't think of this stuff. You know what? We got to find out who she is and get her on the show. (laughs) Man, she was like, like her hands were like this. She just was laying in the dirt. And I was like, why are people doing this? But like I said, I saw like two or three of these videos. I'm like, I got to say this, man. Listen, ladies got them animals alone. (laughs) Jesus Christ. I feel sad. I got to say that to people. But yeah, hey, you know, you got to tell people, you know, about the uh, stairs and elevators doing a fire. So, you know what I mean? It's just the way it is, you know, you know. So the other night we gave you our NFC East picks tonight. We transition on down to the NFC South, soon to be followed by the NFC North, you know, uh, so, I mean, I think we're pretty much in agreement that uh, those dirty ass birds going to win the division. Yeah, yeah, you know and that saying? like, and that is it's it's based off of my intense analytical research. Yeah, tell me about how they gonna go thirteen and four. Listen, I didn't say they're going thirteen and four. <laughs> Never said that. But what I said was because we talked about this a few months ago. They're playing, granted, Atlanta has a second-year quarterback that's young. But of their 17 games, I think something like 12 of them against guys who are either – Baker Mayfield is essentially a cast-off. You know, he's – at this point, he's a journeyman. Well, how about this? I got one, Very I got one even better for you. I got one even better for you. Here we go. Atlanta has the easiest strength of schedule in the NFL. Their opponents won 41.7% of their games last year, and they only play four playoff teams from last year. Hey, four out of 14, I'll take it. Yeah, there you go. And, and, and you know, and of course, Tampa won the division last year. So two of those four games are against Tampa. Hey, Listen. It this the NFL, like we, we talked about this before, the NFL does a better job of ensuring, I think the MLB does a pretty good job of it too, of teams being able to go from worst to first because that just revamps the dreamer. That's probably going to be a theme of the show. 
the dreamer aspect of the fan. Right. If I'm a Detroit Pistons fan, I know if I'm an Orlando Magic fan, if I'm a who who's like San Antonio's been in the, the bottom Rockets. of the for last year, the Rockets, it's like once you get there in this league, if you don't get a splash free agent or two at the same time, you're gonna you're gonna stay there. The Clippers, if the Clippers don't land Kawhi and Paul George at the same time, then they just get Kawhi and Kawhi's out. And they got their other the rest of the team that they had, and Kawhi's always out. Then they they would have been in the bottom, and then Kawhi probably would already been gone. They would have had to deal him. So the NFL, you get that opportunity. If you had, if you had a terrible year, your following year, you're going to end up with a schedule similar to like the NFC South has. Or if you're a fourth place team, you're going to play you're going to play a bunch of fourth place teams throughout the league, and maybe one of those teams makes a turnaround, and you get three three or four easy fourth place teams you got to play because they didn't make their turnaround because they're still bad a couple of years in a row, like a team like Houston, you know, they might be bad a couple of years in a row, but they got a couple of good picks. They make a couple of good trades. I mean, they got Will Anderson and CJ Stroud this year, you know, so it was like th- things like that. The NFL allows for that. I think the NFC South is going to be a prime example of your ability to go from not being a good, con- not being a contender one year to, you know, outright being the best looking team in your division. The well, well the other reason that I picked Atlanta, I think, is that they look like the only team in the division that did something in the offseason. You know, uh, Jesse Bates, Calais Campbell, you know, uh, Jeff Matt Okuda. Collins. Yeah, Jeff Okuda, Matt Collins, even Scotty Miller in the slot, you know. So, you know, you got that going for you. Whereas when I look at the Saints, they added Dirk Carr. You know, but not really much else. You're getting Mike right. Michael Thomas back allegedly. Maybe. You know what I mean? Allegedly. Maybe you his know, pinky toe might hurt. Tampa, you know, got Baker Mayfield. They lost Fournette, you know, and brought in Chase Edmonds. And then uh Carolina brought why in Miles Sanders. Why didn't Tampa Bay go for a different quarterback? Like what held them up? Because Tom Brady retired rather early. Well, right? Like he gave okay, them a, so, like a, it was a big window of time. So so let's think about this. Are you talking about as like far Jimmy as Garoppolo. in the draft, or are you talking about like a veteran? A veteran, like Jimmy. Well, well Jimmy Garoppolo was coming off an injury, and you know, so you know, they probably didn't know his status, or possibly didn't think he was going to be ready come opening day. So that could be a possibility. Dirt Carr, I don't know why they didn't go after Dirt Carr. As far as the draft, if I remember correctly, they were 19. So they probably didn't have enough to climb up to try to get, you know, one of the studs. And then people felt like after those top three or four quarterbacks, the quarterbacks in the draft were nothing to really write home about. Um, so, yeah, like, you know, and they, hey, they did pick up John Walford, you know. So, I mean, they, they, did, they did that, you know. So Powers out the stadium. You know, but but Chase Edmonds, you know what I mean, for Tampa, you know, uh, his career high, and this is only due to playing time, so I'm not knocking him. I'm just saying, like, playing time. He's been a backup, third down back, all that good stuff like that. So his career high in a season is four touchdowns, and his career high in yards per game is 49. Now, granted, they do have Rashard White, who I like a lot, you know, he's in that Tony Pollard. But they don't run the ball. But they don't run the, ball, but they don't run the ball enough. Right. And at they, all. And, 
And I don't think their offensive line is going to be much better this year either, which is why, you know, I don't have them winning the division, even though they have a guy that has caught at least a thousand yards for nine straight seasons. But like, I mean, if you think about those, I'm not, I'm not going to knock his talent, but it is akin to just padding his stats. Cause one season he caught a slant and made to like a thousand eight yards and then was out for the rest of the game. Yeah. So if he drops that ball, we don't even have this conversation, but he was like a thousand eight <laughs> yards. It was a 16 game season. So that was like 70 something yards a game or 60 something yards a game, 60 or 70 yards a game. If my math is correct. So it was like, I get the stats like, Oh yeah. But it's like, when you say over a thousand yards, I'm thinking like over a thousand yards, not, this last slant pass you caught put you at a thousand eight. Right. Like I think it was like either with Jameis or Tom Brady. I can't remember who, but it was like I remember he just caught the slant and he like slipped down the goal line and it was like, oh, he's injured. I'm not like I said, I'm not knocking it. I just think that I think sometimes we 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 put too much credence to these streaks where it's like, what's the context? They didn't they weren't you would have loved it if it was Julio. Julio probably did it. You know what I'm saying? You would have loved he it. He has like something like Julio has something like the most receiving yards per game average. But I'm like, all right, where is that in the red zone? Like, right. give me the touchdown so we can win these games instead of losing games 20 to 24 to 20 because it's fourth and two from the three and we can't get this, you know, this pass. And like, I'd rather, I'd rather you have 700 yards but catch 17 touchdowns. I mean, I mean, granted, that's pretty outrageous. Right. But right. Like, I'd rather you put points on the board than yards in your yards column. Well, uh, you, well, you know, like the other thing, another reason, if you want another reason why I picked Atlanta is because I feel that Atlanta has the most consistently dependable stat, I guess, if you, I guess, you know, like, so basically they were third in rushing yards last year and third in yards per game. And Oh, by the way, they just went and drafted the best running back in the draft, probably going to be a top five running back by the end of next season, not this season, but next season, and maybe going into the season after that. Whereas the Saints, on the other hand, who was the other team that I toggled between winning the division, they are consistently bad. So they were number 27. I mean, granted, they picked up Derek Carr, so this should change somewhat. But they were number 27 in passing. And they were number 27 against the run and against the pass. So, you know. I have here, my note for New Orleans is hype versus results. Every year, it just seems like they have, like, there's names that jump. Cameron Jordan, Demario Davis. Marcus Lattimore. uh, Marcus, like, you, you have these names. But then you have to say the head coach, Dennis Allen, hasn't proven that he's a good coach in his two stints as head coach in the NFL. Right. I like Derek Carr. I think I think the we talked about his extension. That was one of our earliest episodes talking about how how you sign a man to an extension in April 2022 and then act like you don't want him in March 2023. Right. Before you got before you got to start paying him. It just seems to seem a little foul. So I give him credence for that because it's like I was upset with that the way they treated him but I'm not sure that New Orleans offensive design or scheme does their car make them any better and it's always and it's and it's rare 
that a quarterback goes from one team where he was essentially a cast off and goes to another team and lights it up. Drew Brees was exception to the rule. Tom Brady was, I mean, he's literally, he was six Super Bowls deep before he went to Tampa Bay. I don't think anyone was expecting him to get a seventh and he ended up getting one. Right. But like Jimmy Garoppolo went from New England to San Francisco. He's been good, but it's been stories injury prone. They draft multiple quarterbacks since he's been Mm -hmm. there. Uh, Geno Smith bounced around and he had a nice little run in Seattle, but they weren't expecting him that had the nice little run. It, like they didn't bring Geno Smith in with his expectation, like they're, that they're leveraging on to Derek Carr because Derek Carr is coming in as being as viewed as a good quarterback that just ran into just had a, you know, essentially a, a relationship fallout with his head coach and GM. I still don't know what Dirk Carr is. Like, there was a time where he was a semi-MVP candidate, got injured. Yeah, he broke his leg. Yeah, he broke yeah his leg and, then, leg. And, then he, and then he was never really the same since. I think he's still a good quarterback. I think he's a good enough quarterback to win this division, considering. Dak Prescott. Prescott with less touchdown passes. Well, well, considering the quarterbacks, the other quarterbacks in this division, he is a good enough quarterback to win this division. He's the best one but, in the division, for you, you sure. You know, but also, but but and, and that's to, like being but, a tallest midget, though. But what I you can't say that word. But, yeah, I don't care about but, that. But but but, <laughs> <laughs> but what yeah, I had to take into consideration. Right. But but what I had to take into consideration is, I also don't know what Alvin Kamara's status is going to be. You know, is he going to get they, suspended they, by the they, league? No, they they pleaded it. They pleaded down to like. It's gonna be like a, either a misdemeanor charge or a no contest, which is basically saying like, "Listen, we're not." I mean, he still it. did what he did, like regardless of what happens with the charges. Like in the NFL, we've seen that. I mean, Ben Roethlisberger never got charged with, you know. Yeah, but anything. this happened. They would have under the, the the way the NFL has done things, he would have got suspended last season. Like they don't wait for the criminal process. They they get the video. Like when Kareem Hunt had, he assaulted that woman in the hotel. They, they suspended him. I don't know what his charges were. I don't know what it what it was. Well, I think they learned the their lesson. Well, I think they learned the their Ray lesson Rice. after Ray Rice, you know, when they gave well, him two games, and then we found out that they had saw the video no, that that's we thing. saw. They didn't see the video. He gave them an accurate account of what eventually people saw on video. So he told them, hey, I was in the elevator. Uh, we had this altercation. Yada, yada. She ran at me. I hit her, and I knocked her out. And then I was trying to get out of the elevator. Yeah. So they were like, all right, cool, two games. And then that hotel, um, <laughs> that hotel <laughs> went under. So I think security, because that's just like I, I probably mentioned this to you before, but that's the same hotel that Solange fought Jay-Z in the elevator. In the elevator, and that, yeah. And that information that came out. So it was like somebody was in security, like recording the screen. And sold it to TMZ. And so when information came out, it was like, yo, you can't make a suspension worse because he told you the truth. Because even Ozzy Newsom came out, I was like, oh, yeah, he told us what happened. It was like, so right. why did it go from two to six? Like, oh, because other people saw it. I'm like, you saw the end part of the video. Like, just the way he kind of just like just dragged her out. It was like, right. You should have known. You should have known that was more than two games off the rip. Right. So. <laughs> but but uh but but Atlanta also has by far the best offensive line in the division, you know, and probably what I would consider not that I'm an offensive line aficionado or anything, but 
I would say it's probably a top six or seven offensive line in the league, and maybe even a little bit higher than that. Yeah, I don't, I don't know how they rate it because I know it's like, is it the rush yards? Because the offensive line and rush yards that could be, you know, because you have a good quality running back. The sack numbers, you could just have a quarterback like Peyton Manning would just get rid of the ball, right? But Car- Carson Wentz will hold on to the ball. So right. Philly's offensive line has always been good, but they look bad when. The quarterback stands back there and doesn't let the ball go. Jalen Hurts, he gets rid of the ball, he gets out of the pocket. Right. He gets out of it. You know, so it's like the I think the ratings can kind of fluctuate. But you can tell in like certain situations, like these guys aren't getting beat just consistently. They address the offensive line probably every year. I think they got a guy to Northwestern in the draft. Then they got Lynch from they just paid him. I think he's the highest paid guard in the league. Got uh Jake Matthews at tackle. He got a pretty nice check last season. So Atlanta's legit. Um there's, I mean, you you have the defensive additions, and that's the thing that because we talk about, I'm not sure what these other teams did. Atlanta, you know, they put they got Bates, Campbell, Okuda, John Robinson, and Okuda. So you know, defensively, they have three starters through free agency. Like those guys, maybe they won't start. Maybe they they have a different rotation. But you know, you have three starting caliber players. Granted. Bates is definitely going to start. Yeah, I was going to say Bates was probably top two or three at his position in the league. Yeah. So you're going to get these three. These guys are going to start. Bijan Robinson is going to get a lot of action. So those four major moves right there are four impact players out of 22 players you have on the field. The right. Saints, we got Derek Carr, and he's dependent on maybe if Michael Thomas comes back, maybe if this one comes back, whatever the case may be. Um, you said top rushing offense, and you just add Algier. Patterson and then Robinson and Patterson was a, he's a big power back. People don't think that he's that big. He's like six three, six four, two twenty. Right, but he's a big back. You can run Bijan because he's in his early twenties. You can run him, give him six or seven carries on a drive, and then change it up with Patterson coming. Through. Yeah, and Algier was a rookie last year. And Algier was a rookie. He's also a big body. I think he's uh-huh. running around two twenty, two thirty, something like that, out of BYU. The only thing that is worrying me is third and 11. Do you have a vertical passing threat scheme? You have the players, Drake London. You can say you got Scotty Miller in the slot, Kyle Pitts. I'm, I'm, I'm weary. I don't, I want him to produce more. And I know that he's getting doubled a lot or he's getting the other team's best corner because there's no other vertical threat. So if the passing threat becomes relevant, then I think they got a real shot of just being able to to get those drives going. Because you're going to get third and 11. You're well, going to get like a the... holding call and then do whatever the case would be. Occasionally, you got to convert those third and 11, but you need – you can't keep running that same action that got Kyle Pitts hurt and was getting Drake London rocked. Well, I like the Matt Collins pickup as well. You know, he did, especially he already has, um, he's proven himself to some degree. Like when Darren Waller went out last year for the Raiders, you know, they had receiver injuries. Um, the guy from Clemson, I'm drawing a blank on the name, uh, the name right now. When when he was out, Matt Collins stepped in and became. Justin Ross or something like that? No, no, not Ross, the, the white guy. Um, oh, uh, Hunter Renfro. Yeah, Renfro. When Renfro was hurt, Matt Collins stepped in, 
caught a touchdown in like three straight games, you know. So like I like that pickup for Atlanta as well. And if I remember correctly, you'll have to help me with this one. I believe they still have that receiver that I can't pronounce his name. Zacchaeus or yeah, like is he still I there? Think he might, I think he might have moved on. Okay, he might have moved to make, on to but, make but, room because he was he was he was considered the speedster. Right. But he didn't he didn't he didn't have to take the top off the defense speed. He had like I can run a good route. And if I run this route appropriately, I'm going to create space because he was so quick. But a lot of times it just it never materialized because, the, like I said, the, the vertical passing game was just almost, I won't say non-existent, but it definitely wasn't a primary uh, offensive right. you know, concept for Arthur Smith. So he's got to step up and like, yo, make it happen. And, and Carolina is interesting to me. You know, um, I'm a big Bryce Young fan. You know, obviously – I think he's going to have a bright future, but the problem is, is that the future has to start somewhere. So he's probably going to take a while to get acclimated just based on size. I don't like and, the trade. You know, I don't like the trade they made. The DJ Moore trade. I was going to bring that up. And then also, but I'm interested in them because, you know, I was a big Chuba Hubbard fan when he was at Oklahoma State. Um, I feel like Carolina hasn't necessarily deployed him enough, but they went and got Miles Sanders as well. So, you know, I don't think either one of them are necessarily every down backs, but when their powers combine, they can make Captain Planet. You know, uh, Carolina went and got DJ Shark, you know, uh, to replace DJ Moore, I guess. You know, uh, but they're both named DJ, that's about it. <laughs> you know, um, so, so I'm interested to see because I like Carolina's coach. They went and got Frank Wright. You know, I'm a big Frank Wright guy. I think Indianapolis definitely pulled the plug too early on him. They just needed somebody to blame for their shortcomings. So so as of this moment, as of this moment. You remember when they hired Jeff Saturday? I just remember that. Yeah. I just think about that. But but we we were in agreement that Dirk Carr is the best quarterback in the division. I think that Frank Wright is the best coach in the division, which is still not necessarily saying much when you look at the other coaches in that division because – we talked about it before we started, you know, is Todd Bowles going to see week six, you know, uh, Art Smith, yeah, we'll, we'll get jury, jury's still out a little bit on him back to back seven and 10 seasons, but jury's still out a little bit. And then, you know, uh, Dennis Allen, I thought just from different things that I read, I don't like firing coaches necessarily after the first year, unless you Nathaniel Hackett, and I promise Aaron Rodgers, I will keep your coach's name out my mouth besides that. But, uh, you know, but but just from the standpoint of hiring, firing a coach the first year, I didn't think Allen should have got the job in the first place. You know, um, so um, if things go awry for the Saints, especially after picking up Derek Carr, let's say they get off to a two and five start or something along those lines, then I could see him being on the chopping block as well. So, so, so I just see Atlanta as the team with the most advantages. And surprisingly enough, so Atlanta has a big question. What is Desmond Ritter? But outside of that, I feel like Atlanta has the least questions of all these teams. Like, yeah, we just have to figure out what Ritter is. Yeah, and that's the thing. With a young quarterback and a good running game and a pass catching tight end, you have Ferkser and just that the, the Arthur Smith – passing game is built for a young quarterback the problem is after two three four five games of film into the 2023 season if it doesn't look 
different than the division opponents. Cause like, I think a lot of the, the games, you know, you get these division games. If you don't switch it up by the second game, you're going to get destroyed. And that's what was right. happening. like that the action was always, it was always the same kind of like RPO. It was like a slant on the backside and the free safety just started just. And, and, and you know, so, so I, I don't know, like, you know, Art Smith, like I know you mentioned that his playbook is meant for a young quarterback, but I feel like there's times where, how can I word this? Your players outgrow your scheme. You know, like I think London and Pitts by themselves, just those two, are better than the scheme that he runs. So, 100%. you know, and so I was going to bring up, you know, you know, these guys because you know they got they, the Falcons also picked up Tyler Heineke, you know. So, so this year, if Ritter doesn't necessarily show what the Falcons are looking for, you're going to keep you know, playing them. Maybe not, you know what I mean. They're keep maybe, them. maybe, but but you know what I mean. If you get to say week fourteen, say you're seven and six or so, and you know somebody's right there, the division, right? But 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 if the Saints or somebody are seven and six or six and seven, you know you might have to weigh depending on how he's looking in that moment. You may have to weigh: Are we trying to make the playoffs this year, or you know should we fall back? You know, you have to make that decision. Yeah, but even even as that that concept, what what that does is it puts you in a position where, like the Jets, you essentially bench your young guy last season because you know he couldn't get his footwork together, whatever the case may be. But then you bring in this older guy for a year or two. Mm-hmm. What are you going to do with this guy on the roster? What are you going right. to do with Zach Wilson? Is he just going to, you're just going to groom him to be this backup, but you never want the guy who's starting to get hurt. It's not like there's a, a, you know, he got drafted like a Jordan love situation where it's like, okay, Aaron Rodgers is on his way out. And mm-hmm. Zach Wilson. You want Aaron Rodgers to play as many good years as he can, right? Because right. you feel like your window's going to close, right? So if you try to move Ritter in the favor of Heineke, then what do you do? Granny's he's only a third round pick, so he's probably not do a lot of money. Well, I'm not saying trade him. I'm, you know, I'm just. But what I'm do you? Just... So what do you do? Like, if you're gonna if you're gonna keep him, then you let him ride it out. You let him go. If he's seven and six, and then he goes on a four game losing streak. Then you can go on the next season and you know, like, okay, he might not have it or whatever the case may be. And you still might win the division. (laughs) Theoretically, you still could win it. Because, I mean, Carolina almost won it last year, you know. um, It was a a situation where I think a a win here, a win there, every team would have been like uh, seven or eight, nine or something and Seven and nine, week 17. It was something crazy like that. All playing each other. Yeah, and it would it would have been it would have been glorious, but I think we needed that. Yeah, up. we needed that. I think the Falcons messed it up by they had like a, a silly loss. I think it might have been the Washington loss, maybe a different loss, but it's like it kind of threw off that you know that yeah. dream scenario of mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, like Tampa, um, I just don't believe in at all. So I have them bringing up the rear, so to speak. 
Yeah, um, that's it. This could be a four, four and thirteen year for them. Yeah, I have Carolina finishing slightly better than them, and like I said, it's mostly because of the coach. You know, um, I love I like Carolina's defense. You know, some of the play. I mean, Carolina, like I mean, granted, you know, DJ Moore's gone, all that stuff. They started off one and four last year. They brought in Steve Wilkes and went six and six. So I figure if Steve Wilkes, no disrespect, can go six and six. Frank Bright could go six and six over a stretch, you know, and, you know, it's just going to, it's all going to depend, of course, on the rookie quarterback and how quickly he can acclimate to the game. Yeah. what The thing that I think every team has and that Atlanta doesn't have, and that gives them a leg up, I think every team has a potential, potential volatile situation just already in place i think tampa bay with the infusion of baker mayfield todd bowles looking like he might not be the best man for the job at least under at least under the the relation we had with tom brady last year just looked like you you might not have it you know like the last couple seasons like it might not be the move for you to be the head coach under Tom Brady. So maybe it's different if he can get a little bit more control. Because they said Tom Brady was having like separate meetings with the offense right. or redrafting the game plan. And I think he was kind of presenting it to Byron Leftwich, but not he wasn't it wasn't like a, a cooperative thing. It was like, hey, cool, thanks for these 10 plays, but I'm gonna run these 15. So then you have the wide receivers that need their numbers. And Baker Mayfield over the last few years hasn't really really been able to get the ball deep and the mm. big plays to his wide receivers. Well, he looked good with McVay, but Tampa doesn't have a McVay. Yeah, but the, even with that, did he how many big plays? He had that one drive, the 98-yard drive that was aided by a penalty, a couple of penalties by the Raiders. But that was it. Like, I mean, if you think about like if you think about let me, let me give you a name. Like, you know, granted, this is Joe Burrow. But in that playoff game against Kansas City, fourth and six, he throws that bomb to Jamar Chase. Uh-huh. You know, in the Super Bowl against the Rams, he had that big, deep play to T. Higgins. Granted, T. Higgins grabbed Jalen Ramsey's face mask, but he had those plays. <laughs> yeah. If you think about Baker Mayfield, when's the last, like, big throw you've seen him make? I know well, he has a record for the longest incomplete pass thrown in the game. It was like 70 yards of air when at the back of the end zone. Well, well, just for the record, you know, of course, they made Byron Leftwich the scapegoat and, Absolutely, got, yeah. and got him out of town. So, you know, he was in a position to get a head coaching job the season before, but then you fire him. Once again, it's like I think players remember things like that. Same thing with Carolina. Those players wanted Steve Wooks to get the job. They did. Grant, I know it's a lot of turnover, but if Frank Wright starts out one and four, one and five, they're like, yeah, we could have done well, this with Steve. Well, well, you made a comment when we were pre-meeting, and you said uh, we were talking about the Houston Texans offensive coordinator, and you said, look at these dudes getting the same jobs that Eric Bieniemy is getting, right? So, exactly. real quick, Dave Canellis, this is uh, Tampa Bay's offensive coordinator. So, he was born the same year as us. So in 2004, he was he was an offensive coordinator at a high school, you yep. know, for, for two seasons. Then he went to El Camino College for two years as a special team slash tight end coach. 
you know, uh, went to USC for a year, strength coach, assistant strength coach, was with the Seahawks from 2010 to 2017 as a wide receivers coach, quarterback coach for 2018 and 19, passing game coordinator 2020 and 2021. Last year, he was the Seahawks quarterbacks coach. So I guess he's getting the credit for Geno Smith's resurgence. And now then he's the offensive coordinator. Now he's the offensive coordinator for Tampa Bay, getting Baker Mayfield, Kyle Trask, or John Wolford. That just sounds like a terrible quarterback. That just sounds like Todd Bowles is probably out of there week six, week seven. <laughs> it's like you didn't give you didn't give him the support. Like, oh my goodness, this dude got hit so hard. Oh, he got up. That ball went straight out of bounds. See, the Browns that took the lead, and I couldn't even tell you when or how it happened. I ain't even been paying it no attention. I saw it. It was a nice play. It was a okay. nice slant route from uh, DTR to uh, number eight. I can't remember what his name was. Is it Donovan Peoples-Jones? Is that my guy? No, he's, no. he's not. Yeah, he's not out there. Okay. But anyway, go ahead. But, yeah, so, so yeah, like, so, yeah, he's in trouble. Like, Todd Bowles is in trouble. Frank Bright. We'll do our hot seat. We'll do our – at. When we do our preview, because every year me and Mike do a hot seat conversation with coaches, and we've been pretty accurate. I mean, we put Mike McCarthy on it two years in a row just because he coaches in Dallas. Right. Like, I would have, if Jimmy Johnson came back, if Jimmy Johnson came back and was coaching the Cowboys next season, we put him on a hot seat. Yeah. After week three, you know, say they'd be two and one, and he's still on the hot seat. Two and one, yeah. They they could lose their game 41 to to 40, and they'd be like, oh. Can Jimmy really win? <laughs> yeah. Like, can they get a stop? Yeah. Um, yeah. So we'll do the hot seat preview, but like Todd Bowles is coming to the season on the hot seat. And I don't say rightfully so, but it's like at some point, someone's gonna have to go. Well, we've seen him as a head coach fail before. So, you know, it's but not he, as he if... went to the Jets. These coaches, listen, man, like I get it, you want your opportunity, but just like we talked about leverage with these running backs, man, just hold out. Just hold no. out for the well, other well, job. Well, well, don't, well, well. Don't just take – don't take the job to where you have no leverage. Case well, sometimes point. sometimes as a black coach, that second job might not be there. But don't take the first one if it's the Jets. You know, like, like, cause, okay, cause look what happened with Byron Leftwich, right? You just said it. Like, you know, he was going to be Jacksonville's coach. And but he then he came to, in there he, with some demands. He wanted to get the GM fired. Like, yeah, on, I'm like, I get it. You want to get rid of somebody, but like, you can't just yeah. be like, you'll get fired in good time. I want the dude interviewing me fired. Like, yeah. And then all he you did was say, go like, get... I want some control with the coaches I hired. And then all he did was go get Calvin Ridley, right? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> Calvin Ridley was on the block because, you know, I think he bet on himself, literally. Uh, Ooh, but it's a, it's, it's a lot of teams that are going to be bad teams going into 24-25 seasons. There's going to be some teams that lose a lot of games. Uh, and I just think that especially if it's a team like who has like a strong ownership group. Like say hypothetically the Cowboys. Say the Cowboys have a bad year. A 4-13 and year. They fire some people. That that ownership group, that GM, that those those that top office, those head office guys, they're not going to give you the control you want. You know, maybe Arizona might give you the opportunity to, you know, draft your players you want or hire the coaches you want. But, like, the Rams aren't. The Rams are going to be like, no, you're, you're going to take who we give you. Um, Seattle, they're Pittsburgh. never going to be rid of Pete Carroll. 
Pittsburgh's like, listen, Pittsburgh might give you a little bit more leeway because I think Mike Tomlin's earned that. But coming in, you're not going to no. get that kind of, yeah, you're not going to get that kind of cachet. So it was like, I would rather go to a team that has like a winning culture. That way, if I do have a bad season, which is likely when you're a rookie head coach, right. you're probably going to have a rookie quarterback at some point. You might have a bad season. I need some leeway, but Todd Bowles, he got that all. I'm waiting to see oh. who New England is going to hire once Belichick's gone. Um, Bill O'Brien. Maybe. Coach you waiting. Maybe. That's why he came back from Alabama. We'll see. But yeah. So I mean, like I said, we talked about the Bucks. Like I said, it's it's potential for them to be four and thirteen just because I think they I don't know if they have anything to like really rally around. There's I don't think like Atlanta has optimism. Mm-hmm. You know, they can build on Arthur Smith has been there two years, 14 and 20. They were they had the lead in division later in the season than they had in like since the Super Bowl era, like the 2016, 2017, 2017. How about that and call on Grady Jarrett? That changes so much. It's it's like three or four different plays that I remember. The Marcus Mariota fumbling snap week one against the Warlords, and then it's still being fourth and one, and then not calling the timeout and kind of figuring out can we get this yard. The Grady Jarrett call. The dumbass pass against Washington. The dumb pass against Washington. It was a, and it was a couple other plays that they're 10 and 7. Those three plays, Atlanta's potentially 10 and 7. Mm-hmm. So they have that optimism. Carolina has optimism because they have this young quarterback, but he is small. Like, right. I don't care what the numbers say. That dude is not six foot two or five. It's just like. I know offensive linemen are huge. I stood on the field once in Utah, and I stand behind Zane Beatles. He's probably one of the biggest people I've ever stood next to in my entire life. I'm not convinced Bryce Young weighs more than me. I'm 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 legitimately not convinced he's more than 5'10", 188, 190. He's I still think the 190 is generous. You know what I mean? It's the same thing with Kyler Murray. I do not believe Kyler Murray is taller than 5'9". Mm-hmm. You can just look at like he just looks he looks smaller than Scotty Miller. Uh so I think that's he's granted, like you get hit, big dudes get hit and get hurt too, because like Carson Wentz is six five, two forty, he gets hurt. Justin or Josh Allen six four, Justin Herbert, his ribs get cracked, people get hurt, people get hit. Right. It's just right. that is he gonna be able to process the game and get rid of the ball quick enough so he doesn't take an unnecessary hit. You right, know, is he going to be right. able to get down when the sack comes? You know, is he going to be able to get out of the pocket? Is he, you know, is he going to be able to save himself? Frank Wright, I think, you know, being moved out of Indianapolis, maybe that gives him a fire. Maybe that's something they can galvanize around. But like I said, the team wanted Steve Wilkes. Right. So that's not a rallying cry. Uh, and they got, you know, they brought in Adam Thielen and uh, uh, Miles Sanders. They brought in Hayden Hurst. Yeah. I like Hayden Hurst a lot, but he, I think Hayden Hurst sees himself more of, I think he sees himself, when he looks in the mirror, he sees Travis Kelsey more. Like, and like he doesn't get that kind of, he, I think he has that size, speed. I think he has that, but he doesn't get used that way. Mm-hmm. And with the young quarterback, he probably should get more, get more targets. 
but it might be some, some situation where they're just running the ball more mm-hmm. or hitting feeling out of the slot, you know, something like along those right. lines. Just well, yeah, like Thielen could kind of play that Wes Welker role. Yeah. So yeah. I think they I think they, they should have some optimism in Carolina just simply because I think they have a good team. Their but not this year. Not a lot of wins, but I don't think they're going to be a bad – they won't look like the Bears, how the Bears looked last year, like a right. bad-looking team. I think they'll just lose some games. Right. New Orleans, I think they can, they're can. they going to implode because they have talent on defense. They have enough talent on defense – to, to be winning games, and I'm not sure the offense is going to be able to match. I think it's going to be situations where Cameron Jordan's walking onto the field and Derek Carr just threw a pick, and it's going to be like, I guess we got to fucking bail you out again. That kind of thing, week right. eight, when you're three and three and four, and, you know, Atlanta is, you know, six and one, you know, after whatever, like, and you're losing, you're like, granted, I'm, I'm reaching with the six and one, but like, you can just tell that the other teams in your division are going the other way right? and you're out here playing your heart out to try to save the offense because I mean, maybe Chris Olave can be that guy, but if he's the only guy, then you, you double him. If Michael Thomas doesn't come back, then you just double Chris Olave. Yeah. You brought Jimmy, Jimmy Graham in, but how many guys have sat on their couch for longer than a year and come back and been productive NFL offensive weapons? I don't yeah. think that happens a lot. You saw with Deshaun Watson, didn't happen. Yeah, it just it's not a thing that just happens in this sport. Yeah, so I got um, I ended up with Atlanta ten and seven, New Orleans eight and nine, Carolina six and eleven, and Tampa five and twelve. Five is generous. I got them four and thirteen. Atlanta man, I got them at like fifteen and two. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Calm down, people. For y'all, get all of my all my ex account. <laughs> you laughing know, at me but yeah but whoever wins the nfc south it's gonna be hard to for me to see them win a playoff game you know unless you know atlanta really is just controlling the clock you know that's gonna be the only way to victory i mean they got a three-headed monster running back and people don't forget like desmond ritter around like a four or five four five four six forty something like that like he's just as fast as marcus Mariota. yeah you know, he's he's he was the fastest quarterback in his draft class. You know, I just I just hope for the Falcons' sake that Art is creative enough to run with that, so to speak. Just give me four wide every once in a while. Just give it to me. <laughs> give me four wide with Kyle Pitts in the slot and try to get him matched up on a linebacker. If if they got a safety on him on one side, shift. And try to just get him on a linebacker or get him in the flag. Get the ball in his hand. Start the game off by getting the ball. Because you know you can hand the ball off. I don't, you can I don't hand understand. the ball off all day long. You can get 20 touches to your running backs all game long. I want to start out first drive, get the ball to Pitts in the flat, even if it's a one yard res- oh, uh, one reception for seven yards. Get him, give him the ball. And then when he gets back up, Get it to Drake London on the other side. Get the ball into the hands of these playmakers. Turn these guys, turn their talent into playmaking talent. And that way, now you can't just have eight guys in a box because you saw four games that Ritter was in last year. He threw two touchdown passes and no interceptions, and he completed like 64% of his passes. And oh, but it was um, like for like 800, 830 yards. And then I forgot to mention uh, the Saints did pick up, you know, NFL touchdown leader Jamal Williams. You know, Russian touchdown leader Jamal Williams, and they did. I like up, him. 
Kendra Miller from TCU. So, you know, they have a bit of a running monster as well. You know what I mean? So maybe the play action will be their call. But they're but, calling. But our Atlanta ran the ball a lot because Marcus Mariota is not a 40, a 35 pass attempt a game guy. Right, 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 right. Derek Carr could be. Could be. So yes. do you 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 send, you know, how the I love watching like the the mic'd up quarterbacks and they run up or when they do an interview and they run off the play and it's like scat back, slot right, Z, Yankee, yeah. kill, blah, 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 kill, blah, blah, blah. Like they send in the three plays and there's two pass plays of the run play. Does he check to the run play or does he check to the pass play on third and four? Well, the one the one hope for the Saints, because you know you were talking about optimism and everything. So so the one hope for the Saints is we talked about this the other day. For some reason, they had a lot of hype going into last season. You know, a lot of people thought of them as like a borderline Super Bowl contender. They were easily gonna win the division, they were gonna make some noise, you know. So maybe I mean, as a Saints fan, maybe your hope is we were just a year off. They are, and that's that's the thing about the Saints. They are Falcon Kryptonite. I'm not even going to front. I got a also horrors. You know it. So before yeah, anybody gotta... says it, before you hear Rob Parker, before you hear any of these people say it, on August 3rd, 2023, you heard 2-5 refer to the fact that when the Falcons go to the Superdome, the New Orleans, the New Orleans Superdome. I don't even know what it's called now because they both. It was Benz. they both from Mercedes Benz, <laughs> but I think Mercedes Benz got a New Orleans business went to Atlanta, and like I think that kind of, it might be something else now. Well, like, well I'm it might talking be about Smoothie King Superdome. I'm talking about the dome in New Orleans the when Katrina the Falcons dome, go yeah. there. It is known as the House of Horrors. Yo, ever since that first game after Katrina, where uh, what's the guy that had ALS? I apologize for forgetting his name. But when he came through and blocked that punt and they returned it for a touchdown, that first game at the statue. Yo, it was, it was <laughs> like from that point on, I just was like, I, I just I hate watching the games when Atlanta's in New Orleans. Cause I can't I know it's has happened. It hasn't been like, you know six seven eight years i haven't won in new orleans right it's right, just right. it's never it's never an easy win mm-hmm. it's it's it, either it's a nail biter i think one game Deion jones intercepted drew Brees in the end zone but it was like if that's a completed pass atlanta loses it's like every single time the games are in new orleans yeah, it's never you. like Atlanta's up 15 with six seconds to go. And, and like dear NFL on the ball never happens. Dear NFL, whenever Atlanta goes to the house of horrors, can Don't I get that? TV. Can I get that on Monday night or nah, Sunday be night? I'll watch it on his iPad. I'll watch it on his phone or his laptop. Some things we, just have to happen. I don't need this in prime time because I want to chill in prime time. I can't chill. Like, listen, I'm not a crazy fanatic fan, but Oh my goodness! Uh, what the twenty twenty the twenty twenty season, the season where they just kept losing in miraculous ways. <laughs> oh, that that onside kick against the Dallas. Onside man. kick against oh. Dallas. Um, how else oh, did they lose? Oh man, the onside kick against that Dallas. Was awful. The Chicago game when Nick Foles came back. Mm-hmm. Um, the Detroit game. Every time it was like 
I was never alone. Was that the game Gurley was supposed to? Uh... Wasn't supposed to score. Yeah. Matt Ryan said in the huddle, we're going to run blah, 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 gut 30, whatever. Don't score. And he just ran all hard. It's like, yo, just lay down. Young Way Koo can kick it from the four. Like, just, just it literally, he said, blah, 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 blah. Don't score. Gave him the ball and he <laughs> scored. And then we lost that game. Um, I was at a I was at a club, like a brunch thing for that. So I'm in this packed place, I'm wearing my jersey, I'm looking up at the TV, and I just like took the jersey off and threw it on the floor. I just was sitting there in a t-shirt, just like like not even like a good looking t-shirt, just like a t-shirt that you just would wear under a jersey. I just was sitting there, just like people drinking, having a good time, smoking hookah. Did you reenact losing a playoff series to Boston that day? Man, cut the Cut it out. Cut it out. Cut it out. Get out of here. Speaking of the NBA, you know, there was a memo going around the league telling these teams that, hey, Damian Lillard will play for you if you trade for him. And, you know, Mr. Logical is all player movement and all this kind of stuff. So I assume, I don't want to make an ass out of myself, but I assume. Mr. Logical don't like that memo. I don't like I don't like what Dame is doing simply because he has been on this hill of I want to stay here when in Portland. I don't like when guys team up. Guys don't want to compete. Like, I mean, your Twitter, X, Instagram, Facebook, MySpace accounts. I mean, they don't forget. If you don't go in there and delete it, it's there. Someone has it. And even then, somebody screenshotted it. Somebody screenshotted it as soon as that <laughs> happened. That's John Morant. So my thing with Dame is like, I get that you want to go to Miami. But I like I said, as a criminal justice major, this is something I always tell people. I'm like, listen, don't try to plead your case in a court of public opinion. Don't try to plead it with the police. Don't try to plead it with the public. Shut up. Let the people who are paid to handle that, the people who are supposed to be your mouthpiece, let them handle that. So if you get a traffic ticket, if you get pulled over, don't try to lobby and negotiate with the police. The police do not have leverage. Don't try to lobby with ESPN. Don't do interviews on podcasts talking about how you want to be here or how you feel about whatever, because that won't get you to where you want to go. The team is going to send you wherever the best deal is. Your agent can say until he's blue in the face, uh, Dame's not going to go to Milwaukee or Dame's not going to go to Dallas or Dame's not going to Houston. That's cool. Put a no trade clause in your contract and you can have the leverage. But until then, you have no leverage. We, Like I said, this is going to be like a, kind of a, a running conversation we have. If you have leverage, i.e. Bradley Beal, he had a no trade clause. He went to Phoenix. He probably could have He probably could have gone to a better team, but he had no trade clause. We went to Phoenix to get the best deal they could out of Phoenix because that was the barrel that he had watching over. Portland, Dame, you don't have that. And saying, we all know you want to go to Miami. So why keep saying it? Like, why say it publicly? Why put out this memo? Why have, we already know, we've known for a month that you want to go to Miami. If you were smart, you would have mentioned it before the draft and that would allow the team to actually make moves to get you to Miami. Because they would have had different assets. Portland could have been like, yo, let me get 
this first round pick this year, yada, 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 yada. And then they could have made some magic happen. But you wait till after the draft as if you didn't know they were going to take school Henderson. We all knew that. So that's that's my thing is like if you felt this way about leaving. That happened at the end of the season that happened after you dropped 71 points and you needed all 71 of them to to win. You know, what I mean, so it's like you you already knew what you had on the team. You already knew who was going to be able to come back. You already know who they, they were going to resign. So it was like you knew this already. You should have been better prepared for it. But Dave Lillard is the reason that Dame Lillard is not in Miami right now. You know, as a wise man once said, Vince McMahon didn't screw Bret Hart. Bret screwed Bret. You know, like, so from the standpoint of shut up, you didn't even have to say it. Like, you, like, like, so, okay, right? So, so the, the era that we live in, we're always going to get news, right? So, these things happen behind closed doors, allegedly. And then somebody is close to the situation because, like, Woj is basically, like, you know, Woj and Shams are, at, like, they're at, like, odds right now. One is, like, the Blazer guy. One's the Dame guy, you know. So, like, yeah, they're, they're at opposite ends of the spectrum trying to get this story out here. So, so Dame, you know, uh, it's one thing, right? I want to see what the Blazers are going to do. And then depending on what they do, I might ask for a trade. Period. What we didn't need was, I'm going to Miami. Bienvenidos a Miami. You know what I'm saying? We didn't need that on Instagram. You know, because now you're telling Portland, because at the time, I, I think at the time that that video came out, that I don't think he had formally asked for a trade yet. Like, and I think just, that was after the draft. And it was after the draft. So, so this is the thing, right? When Portland traded and, and CJ McCollum was gone, you already knew what it was because what did you get back? You know, like you've been on this team, they got Josh Hart and that, that's Eric Bledsoe, maybe. I don't think so. You know, but 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 the point being, and they traded him. But the point being, during warmups. But the point being is that you saw that, and you didn't look at that team and say, "Yo, I got what I need." Now, this is my problem with NBA players at large. NBA players, from my estimation, outside looking in, probably have some of the biggest egos of any sports any professional league, you know, like you have to be one of one. I am the best. I'm the man. So if you're somebody like say Damian Lillard, you should feel like you could go to any team in the NBA and make them better. Like I know you used to make the comment about like, yo, put LeBron on Sacramento. They're in the conference finals. I'm not saying Dame is on that level, but I'm just saying that like, Within reason, you know, like if Dame were to go to, say, Brooklyn, who was another team rumored that he might have been interested in, put Brooklyn him next would to Mikhail Bridges. Be a better landing spot for him than Miami. Exactly. You got to get out of your own way. And that's why you have to let the people, like I tell people all the time, like, listen, uh, when I wanted to see a therapist, I went to a therapist. I didn't go to my buddy. I didn't vent on social media. I went to a professional. Like, let me talk to a professional about this. 
when I want to get my hair cut, I don't go to my friend who cuts hair. I go to a barber who cuts hair. Like I go to people who do what they're supposed to do. If he would just let his agent do the dealing, he probably could have got go to a, Philly. Even I would, I think Brooklyn would be better because you have to recognize if you look at the last few teams that won championships, they had young depth with old with older experienced players. Kaminga, Poole, uh, Moody, Moody, with Wiggins. Clay, Wiggins, Steph, Draymond. Like, there's other pieces in there. You had Kevon Looney doing his thing, but like, what you had was a young guy that can operate. I'm watching this play. Oh, yeah, what do you know? Interception. What do you know? Even the Jets' third stringers throw the game ceiling interception. Wouldn't yeah, you I mean, know? I could have told you that without 15. even I could have told you that without even watching this game. But anyway, yeah, go so ahead. but if like I said, if he we talked about this before, the media has made the ring chase while you're in the league. They made that the priority. I remember I saw something the other day on First Things First and Eric Mangini was talking about Josh Allen and he says something about everything we're doing is to prepare us for the Super Bowl. And Mangini was like, listen, you need to be prepared for week one. You can't get to the Super Bowl if you're not even prepared for week one. You can think about it. And I get the lofty goal, but he was like, you have to be prepared for week one. And and I saw some another podcast today with it was like Gilbert Arenas, Rashad McCants. Like, I don't know what the name of the podcast is, but they're always arguing. It's always like. Uh, Gilbert's always getting on Rashad and it was, uh, they had a female co-host and she asked uh, Gilbert Arena. She was like, listen, you made $170 million in your career. She was like, would you take $120 million made in your career and have one ring? He was like, hold on. So let me get this straight. He's like, so I made 170 million. You're asking me what I trade, what I go down 120 million for my career earnings and have a ring. He was like, hell no. He was like, I'm not. He's like, I can buy one of these rings right now off of eBay from guys who are on the team who need money. He's like, I have $50 million extra or I have this ring. No. He's like, not at all. And Rashawn McCann was like, nah. He's like, I made 54. I'd rather have the ring. And I think that's the difference is like everybody in the media, not everybody, I'm almost trying to not speak in absolutes, but the media has made the ring the validation piece for the NBA player, regardless of how they get it. You know, there's no, like, for lack of a better word, standard for how you get the ring. Yeah, like Gary Payton, for example. You just get, you get chopped off at the knees for just not having one. Even Charles Barkley tried to join the team and get the ring, but it's proof that that, that's just not how it works. You just need, you need a lot more breaks and you need, you need a, you know, a better format. It's not just a matter of like, oh, let me go to Miami because Miami's not going to give up the the assets you need to get a player like Dane, especially considering like the money Dane makes. Like you're making sixty million dollars, you are one of the quintessential best players in the league. Miami's going to have to give up quality pieces to Portland. Portland's not going to give up yeah. one of the best players in the league just to take Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero, 
and the guy that took from UCLA back in the deal. Like, I'm not right. saying those guys are bad players, but it's like it might work out for Portland, and maybe they're kind of they have have the well, blinders Portland's on. already guard heavy. That's the problem. They already got Shaden Sharp and Scoot Henderson and Anthony Simon. So you and know, so it just trying. it just wouldn't work. So it's like yeah. Miami is probably not a good trade partner. It's you probably know, a dope city. I, I heard it's dope. I love Miami, right. you know, unless unless Miami is willing to come off a of Hawkins and the the other, you know, Nicola. If I'm not getting Bam out of Bayou in this Damian Lillard trade, I'm not making it happen if I'm Portland. If I'm not getting Bam, then I'm not making this deal. Like, that's all you have to offer me. As, as If I'm Portland, as I sit in Portland, I have Scoot Henderson, who's the quintessential replacement for Dame. Six foot, six foot one. Athletic, he's not the score Dame is, but he can play that role 25 feet from the hoop coming downhill. Like, he can be that guy. I need a guy like Bam to be at the rim when Scoot comes downhill. I know Miami will love to have Bam and Dame and Jimmy Butler, but it's like none of you have the leverage to make that happen unless Miami is like let's we'll send Jimmy Butler which they're not going to do because he's hard and soul of the team so Miami's just not a good trade partner well, well, see, that's with my Portland problem. unless Portland unless Portland's willing to take way more concessions than any other team would and I'm like why would I well that's my problem with the memo like Dame is doing nothing different than most star players have done for who knows how long you know, like, and granted, Dame isn't even the one that's putting this information out there and saying that he won't do these things. This is just coming from his agent. But obviously, he's not speaking up about it, so he co-signs it in one way or another. But but just from the standpoint of just last summer, you know, we had Kevin Durant go to England and basically be like, I want Steve Nash gone or I'm gone. And then Brooklyn was like, no, we're going to keep you, bro, and we're going to keep him. So I was like, hard line. I love it. And then Steve Nash made it, what, like 20 games of that? I don't and think then, he made – I think he made it 20 calendar days. Yeah, and then and then they ended up trading Durant anyway, you know, at the trade deadline. So, so, so like, why does the NBA want to have this stance now? Because, like, for me, like, the NBA can't have their cake and eat it too. Like the thing that made the NBA so popular in the last 10 to 15 years is the offseason, the drama, the dramatics of that's why this year's free agency, a lot of people are like, where did it go? Because oh, there was they, they had the drama. We're talking about it right now. They have yeah. they, they no, no, but the yeah. no, but the problem is, but the problem is is that it's usually Kevin Durant, or it's usually where's LeBron gonna go, or it's this. We're talking about Dame Lillard. That's yeah, but Dame, Dame, Dame Lillard's a name, and what we're talking about, it's it's two years in a row of NBA teams basically defying the, the quintessential post-LeBron player movement era concepts. But And now what are we going like, to do with Harden? Look at, look at James Harden. James Harden's in the same boat, and I think these – I think but, was, but see, was but the really difference is, is that like, Harden's not out here, or his agent is out here. These guys got old. They don't. Like you said, they have egos. Yeah, I don't think these guys recognize. It's it's the same thing with with the NFL and Tom Brady. Like we talk about these parallels between Tom and LeBron all the time as these 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 modern anomalies. 
that because people tend to either I want to say not like them per- personally or professionally, but there's a lot of guys that have been compared to or been put in these these realms. What LeBron and what Tom Brady did in their leagues is head and shoulders above what anybody else does. I'm not saying these other guys didn't have Steph has a great run in the league and and his signed four championships in eight seasons, a great run. Impact to LeBron is is close. It's probably the closest of anybody else, but even then it's still like not as close as people want to make it seem. So I think a lot of these guys were in like thrusting into that conversation. I think Kawhi was, James Harden, uh, KD. I don't think Giannis cares because Giannis is like, I'm just going to do me. Because Giannis doesn't. No, I know, but people tried to. But I'm talking about the guys. I'm talking about the guys who are trying to use their leverage. Mm -hmm. They because at some point in the last eight years, got to keep in mind, KD won the MVP in 2014. Right. It's 2023. August 2023. It's about that's about to be nine and a half, ten years from the time he hoisted that trophy. But these guys still operate like, oh, I still have that 2014 leverage, that 2015 leverage, that 2016 leverage. I'm like, no, one guy is able to play at the level that he's playing at at you know 36, 37, 38, and that's LeBron. The rest of you guys aren't. The rest of you guys had a steep decline. LeBron averaged 30 points. Before this past season, he averaged 30 points. And then Embiid had to play his heart out in the last couple of games to, to win the scoring title. But LeBron was averaging 30 points at 36, 37 years old. And then came back in their Western Conference Finals. The reason Kevin Durant didn't get his way with Brooklyn is because, yo, you aren't doing what that guy did. You're not doing what Steph does. You're not, you're not doing what you know, what Luca can currently do, you know, and that's the thing. I, I, I think that's the piece because Dame is like 20 before he signed this $200 million extension that, get, that has him getting paid $60 million. He could have moved in. And then next team would have given him, he would have gotten, I think your, your, your team can give you like the bigger deal and the other team can give you three years. So he probably could have gotten three years, 150 million, extension like an assign and trade at 27 and he could have gone any team he wanted to go to that thought they thought that could fit him in with the money whatever right. case may be right but instead he stayed in portland because that was that was that's what he was thinking hey 2019 i'm gonna stay in portland we're gonna win here and then it gets to the point like oh i i can't win here because it's not enough around me and it's not sustainable but now you're already you know, now you're 11 years deep into that team and you can't move. Durant was the same way. Like, yo, dog, you're 34 coming off multiple injuries where you couldn't play full seasons. You don't have the same leverage that you you did after you won the MVP. And when you went to Golden State, that was that was your only time. Right. That was your leverage window. And you kind of cut it short by going to Brooklyn. But, I mean, the injury cut it short. But then you go to Brooklyn and then you don't really come back and, like, you don't get to – you don't get to an NBA finals. You make the team gut themselves to get James Harden. So a lot of these guys have made all these moves and it's like, it hasn't worked out for any team. So that's the leverage piece. Kawhi got Paul George because up until that point that had worked. Yeah. He was just coming off the title. So he was the toast of the town. He came in calling shots because he could, 
you know what I mean? Not realizing, not realizing that Toronto team was really good. Now, granted, he put them over the top, but you know what I mean? Like they Siakam broke out, you know. They were consistently one or two in the east, even when LeBron was in Cleveland. Yeah, they just needed something better than DeRozan. You know, just like I always say about the Warriors, they just needed something better than Harrison Barnes. They didn't even necessarily need Durant. They just needed somebody that could knock down a consistent shot when left wide. Somebody that could shoot 38, 39% from three. Yeah. So, so from the playoffs. Yeah. They needed Wiggins. You know what I mean? (laughs) So, so from that, so from that standpoint, you know, uh, that's where the leverage comes in and that's where the movement comes in. But when you're looking at somebody like Dane, you know, I'm like at best, right? If you go to Miami right now, now remember, Miami was the eight seed in this previous playoff run. So, like, getting Dame gets you up to five, you know, maybe. Well, I mean, if, this year, maybe it gets you to four or if three. You, you know? If Portland takes, if Portland takes a raw deal, then yeah, I think you you I think you go from eight to probably three because I think Philly is gonna take a step back. If they can't move Harden, right. I'm not sure if he plays. And if he plays, I'm not sure if he plays well. Right. Um yeah, I saw him slamming and, those and four we, cheeseburgers. And you know how him you know how Embiid kind of is an emotional guy. And I think he 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 plays on how he feels. Yeah, he wears his heart on his sleeve. Yeah, so I think that could be a situation where if James is out there and he feel he feels like and oh, James didn't even go to the wedding. They're losing games. Maybe they get invited. They're losing games to Orlando. Or they're losing like Houston comes in and beats them, or they lose a game to Detroit at home by a lot, like you know, like 112, 98 or something like yeah. that. And it's like after that game, it it I think a game like that'll blow up. You lose to Milwaukee. It is what it is, you know. Right. Milwaukee right. has the best one of the best players. You lose to Dallas when they come up with Kyrie and Luca. Okay, that, like that all happens. Of these, so, 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 like you know, back to the Gilbert Arenas thing for a second. You know, like I understand both sides of that. You know what I mean? I mean, at the end of the day, you know, if somebody is going to pay you X amount of millions of dollars, who are you to tell them no? You know, but also when you're somebody like Dame Lillard who talks the talk, you know, somebody like Kevin Durant, who talks the talk, he just wants the ball, you know, like those rings, I would think matter. So, you know, at this standpoint, like Dame's advantage in the ring argument is that he's a little dude, you know, he's six foot, what, three, four, maybe at most. I, I don't think he's any, I think he's, Maybe six two. I think he might be six two. I think he you, might be listed as six two. So you know, so so like throughout NBA history, there's not a lot of those dudes that his size that get held to that standard. You know, so but so, if you're the best player in a team, like I, I I think the the size. Well, I just mean from a criticism yeah. standpoint, like like he's not going to get I think the, the same criticism, criticism is because he just that I think the criticism get. he didn't get is because he. He didn't get the criticism is because he's never stacked his team. Right. And he's been playing since we can basically call the the Boston. We can go back to the Boston three party until now where NBA teams have essentially been. Just kind of pieced like puzzle piece together with as much talent as you can with either through free agency or some kind of trade or buyouts and things like that, where you got guys like. 
you get James Harden, KD, and Kyrie on the team, and all of a sudden Blake wants to get out of Detroit. Right. And he takes he takes a buyout. Marcus of, Aldridge. You know, you know like, they take yeah. a buyout and then they come to Brooklyn for four and a half million dollars. So like that has been the like the standard wave. Portland wasn't getting those guys. So Portland was never considered to be a threat. They made it to the Western Conference Finals against Golden State, but they just didn't have the same kind of firepower or like right. sustained firepower and experience that Golden State had. Because I think they had leads in the fourth quarter. Like every, Yeah, they every just game. lost them. Yeah. They just lost them because it's like and he didn't, didn't necessarily have play that well either. Yeah, but like I, we don't know if if Portland as a team was going to be able to beat them anyway, you know. Right. Golden right, State right, is one of those second half teams that just kind of just makes makes things happen. Right. So that's why I think he's never got any heat. And I think people have always given him the same kind of respect that they give Giannis as far as like I'm going to stay here, I'm going to sign my extension mm-hmm. here, I'm not going to go join another big team. The difference is that Milwaukee also got Brooke Lopez, got Drew Holiday, had Chris Middleton, had, you know, Pat Connington. They, they you know, had Bobby other, Portis. Bobby yeah. Portis. They, they had these scrappy guys that filled in around Giannis. Name me the guy that Portland has gotten. Because you get, you get keep in mind, Milwaukee, it can't be a better destination than Portland. Can't be. Cause I know, I, yeah, because I know Milwaukee, is it's it's not a very safe City. It's bootleg Chicago. It's it's known. It has this nefarious activity, so it's not like it's a popping city that's you know this burgeoning society. It's it's the middle of nowhere. Whereas Portland, on the uh, coast, has, is on the coast. It's a very nice city. The people are very you get to nice. L.A. real quick. It's a very clean city. You uh, know, weather's so, always nice. You know, temperature wise. But they don't have those moves. They don't have those free agent moves and those signings and those draft picks that you can build around. Yeah, even if Dame isn't your big physical player, go get a Portis. Go get uh, one of the Morris twins or something. Go get some of these guys that these other teams seem to always be able to get their hands on. Jeff Green, you know, these other players that you can get when they found when Wiseman was on the block for Golden State. That could have been a move they could have made, Mm -hmm. you know, because I'm pretty sure you have a, a young guard on your bench that you don't play. Wiseman wasn't getting that much money. You you can make that move, but that's the thing. What they do, they just fire coaches, rehire coaches, fire coaches. Well, that's why, like, you know, I was confused because Paul George was allegedly on the trade block during the draft. You know, like, why not go get Paul George? Because Paul George, like I said, it's not 2014 no more. Like, like, uh, Steph Curry said the CP3 is not 2014 no more. <laughs> and, and that's still something, though. It's still something. It's better than anything they got right now. But keep in mind, these guys are getting $40 million. If it's I'm better than owner, anything they got right now. Am I am I going to give a 33-year-old dude who keeps getting knee injuries and shoulder injuries $40 million to come no, in but you my, bring my other guy? That no, it's making you, sixty million. No, you what, bring what them in. Good, you bring them in this year. You bring them in this year, and it's an expiring contract. And now you got money to go play with. I got ninety million dollars. I got to spend you know this year. Saying? I ain't worried about the expiration of the contract because my season's gonna expire because this guy's unreliable. But it's a constant Jay, build. You're not gonna if, get anybody to come to Portland right now in this moment. At so that we're why do I wanna, right now? So why do that I want a guy that's already over a championship? That's why do I make you a championship contender? Why do I want two guys over 30 that won't be there by the time my team is potentially contending for $100 million? 
Because Why now you because now you got the money. Are, uh, Dame's you, on you, you get you get somebody Dame this has year. Three more years on his you, deal. You get somebody this year. Paul George's contract expires next year. You got somebody else to bring in. Okay, so what good does that do me when I keep my guy who's already over thirty for another year? Like I'm not. Dame is the, you, you, the, Dame, Dame ain't thirty-seven. Like, like that makes what you're saying they, makes sense if he's Chris Paul's age. He's not. But that's the thing. What am I? My rebuild is at least two to three years. Because at some point, if Chauncey Billups isn't the guy, he's got to go. Right. Because your rebuild has to have new stuff. Right. So you got to get rid of Chauncey. And you bring in another coach for Dane? But that's the or thing. You bring we don't know. Coach for... How do you know if Chauncey's the guy or not? You're just supposed to go win with Dame and nobody else, like and and that's what proves that you're the guy. That's what I'm saying. They just they're gonna they're gonna take a raw deal, but you're gonna have to fully commit. The way the Mets are fully committed right now, the Ooh. Mets are. Yeah, it's, it sucks, <laughs> and I, and I know and I know it's, it's it's like it comes off as like oh my god, I can't believe this is happening, but you're going to have to call the baby ugly. You can't right. halfway do it. It's like when I want to get my beard, like my beard grows, I'm like, I don't like it. I don't just keep trimming it. I just take it all the way down. And I, you know, I go through my skin routine. I let it grow out for like a good month. And then it's like, okay, boom, this feels better. But like if I don't get if I'm not in my routine, if I if I miss it for a couple of weeks, or my barber doesn't cut it right, you know, and it's like, I mean, you know what, just just start me over. Just like, don't keep cleaning me up, and I got that's the chin why they strap like a DMX. In the first place. Like, I got the chin strap like a DMX. Like, now let me go ahead and start this whole thing over and really build on it. And, and try that's to why they should have never signed them in the first place. Well, at 27, I don't like if you he wanted to be there. I'm not saying I know, but you also have to I, be self aware. Like, you knew you weren't going to get anybody to put next to him, but that. They had they had the pieces. It's just some things just don't work out. What pieces? Like Nurk. They had you know they had Nurkis. They had Lamarcus Aldridge. They had uh, Dame. They had CJ McCollum. They they uh, Aldridge they made was it long to, gone listen, before then. He was he was in San Antonio was, with Kawhi. Okay, the year that but, Kawhi hurt his ankle. You know he was but, gone. But Nurkis but they, ain't but, good. They you made know, it to the Western Conference Finals. So because, they, they made, but you and I both talked about this. There was a lot yes, of injury and, and all that a stuff A lot involved. of injuries, but sometimes you need that break. But after the Western Conference Finals, that's when they should have been like, all right, let's make the Paul George kind of move. Right. Let's get the move where, we, we're, where we're paying CJ, Dame, and this other guy $35 million each. That's when you make that move, when your stars are in their 20s. You gotta keep in mind these guys. You have to be nineteen to get drafted in the NBA. They so went after they Anthony just drafted. <laughs> they just drafted. Yeah, but he wasn't gonna go. They just drafted sixty <laughs> players in the NBA draft a couple of months ago. Sixty players. All those dudes are between the ages of nineteen and twenty-two, for the most part. You can't have a, two players on your team that are thirty-one and 32, 33. Getting paid ninety million dollars when the San Antonio Spurs are going to have a starting lineup that averages twenty one years old, yeah. and you expect these guys who are injury like coming off of injuries or injury prone to keep up. It's like you have to. I'm not saying it's not an ageism thing, and I get it, but everybody isn't built like Steph. Everybody's not built like LeBron. Everybody's not built the way Jordan was able to play for all those years. Stockton playing for all those years. Malone playing for all those years. Look at even you can even look at Kobe in his last few years. It was like he wasn't the same 
he wasn't 2006, 2008, 2009 Kobe right. in 2013. And it happens. Like these things happen. So you, and he got a lot of deep money on the back end because I think he kind of gave up some in the middle. But once it, once it goes, it goes. It's like Paul George can't defend Jalen Green. Right. He just, he just, it just, he's not the wing defender. Kawhi is the wing, not the wing defender that they are. So it's like, you got to just be like, listen, call the baby ugly, move these guys. It's not a disrespectful thing. Just get them somewhere where you can get some good young pieces in and, and start a proper rebuild. You're going to be on TV. It's the NBA. You're, you're going to get your minimal games because you are a mediocre team. You're in a mediocre market. So it's not like you're going to miss out on something. Right, not having Dame on the team right now. You just you essentially have two spots that you can't use. But I can't imagine. Well, I, I guess like at the end of the day, he's going to end up in Miami because it's just probably too late for anybody else to seriously get into the game. I think. I think. I think a savvy a savvy GM. Like, I, I, I mean, Brooklyn. Yeah, I'm still. That's what I'm hopeful for. I'm hoping that Brooklyn steps up and, as I would like to say, do the right thing. You know, I hope Brooklyn steps up and goes grabs him, put him next to Mikhail. You still got Claxton, so maybe he, maybe you move Claxton because you still no, got. I think Cam, you got to keep. I think you got to keep because you still got Cam, Cam Johnson as well. Cam. Well, I think they just signed him. Yeah, so they can't, can't trade move. him. Yeah, you can't trade him. But Brooklyn, Brooklyn might be out of it then because I don't know what other pieces. Portland, either Portland. I mean, you're not going to get a star back. To, you know what I mean? You're not That's getting the, a star. Yeah, back. you're not getting a star back. The best you can hope for is is Nick Houston. <laughs> Houston gives you three of their young guys. I don't know what the money looks like. I don't know what you have to do to get the money to look right. Where Houston just says, you know what? I got a veteran coach. Well, I nah, Houston, my veteran coach. All, all Houston's dudes are on that rookie contract. You know, their big contracts are Van Vliet and Dylan Brooks. Everybody else, like those, uh, uh, Shagun, Jalen Green, uh, uh, Jabari, Eason, all them dudes are still on rookie contracts. Okay, C doesn't have anyone making that kind of money. I got me, shy, me. but you ain't trading him. You're not trading him. Yeah. Uh, Russ is, uh, I think Russ is, he, he, he he's only making $4 million. LA. Yeah, like, um, you know, Harden, I guess, like, <laughs> I mean, but unless you, know you, mean, go, but, you go straight up, but you're just trading apples for apple juice. Right, at that point. and then you're going to end up, but, but he's coming off the books next year. You know what I mean? So, like, I don't know. Like, I think Harden, Harden wants to get, he wants to get traded and sign an extension. Right. And he's not going to do that with them. Yeah. And but but, but from what I was reading, actually, and hell, but, but, but from, from his, what I was history, reading. His history shows he won't even play hard. Well, from what I was reading, he's actually not eligible for the extension this year, like with his contract. Like, so he has to play on the contract and basically be a free agent next year. So what's, hold on. So, so he signed for the third, like 35. He opted million, in. Yeah. Opted in for the 35 million. Cause it was one of those like two plus ones or whatever, <laughs> you know, like the player option, you know, but so he opts he's not eligible for, for the 35 right million now. and he wants Philly to train him to LA. Yes. And then play out his 35 million in LA. And yes. Then and then he's a free agent next year. Next right. Summer. Right. So maybe like we were talking but about. There's no, 
there's nothing that but there's no guarantee the wet to right. the Clippers. Right. So he can go out there and play for the Clippers one year and decide I really want to be a Laker. Right. And go upstairs. Yes. And and join the Lakers for yeah, a get away from deal. the ugly people, go upstairs and yeah. You know, so it's so, it's, it's 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 weird because like I don't understand. I don't understand. I know I I don't want a guy to give away his leverage, and I do respect when you know players come on there honest. But I just want to know like, what is your what is your end game? Well, I think that's the issue right now between him and Maury is like Maury. Why probably, do you want out of Philly? I'm I'm thinking something happened where Maury either promised something because I think he took less money on the front side. Or it was something along those lines. Like there was, why he could there was some kind of money disconnect. He then he could have just signed an extension with Philly and demanded the money. Right. I'm, I don't know. Like it's just I but, mean, but that like, but that I'm goes back to the, his but, pockets. But, but that's what I'm saying. But I, but I think I just that don't goes understand back. where where are you gonna go? But I think that goes back to the relationship that him and Maury had, you know what I mean, where one of them, one of the two is feeling like Yo, you lied to me, or whatever. Like Maury's feeling like, hey, I did this for you. Like I got you out of Brooklyn, X, Y, Z. Now you want out of here? Or Harden is like, hey, I could I left money on the table, and whatever. Like you know what I mean? Like I don't but, know. Like it goes back to what Gilbert Arena said. Is like, I think it's one of these things you got to reflect on because I mean we we can talk about it now. Like when I was active duty. I'm gonna say my so my son was born in 2009, uh, and I remember doing the math. I was like, okay, if I make it senior master sergeant, I could retire 26 years. That puts me at 2026. So I will retire May 2026. My son would go into his senior year of high school. That you know that uh that September. And uh-huh. I would and I would be there for the whole senior year. Right. Um, that he's you know, he'd be my youngest son, and that, that was the plan. You know, I was like, okay, because I was gonna see all my kids through high school, and then like the last one was gonna graduate, and I was gonna be done, and then I was gonna be like, peace, dad's out. You know, like that was like my plan. But then as you go in, it's like, all right, I made it to master sergeant, then I was like, all right, this this clock might be sped up a little bit. So I ended up retiring it closer to 22 years. But when I reflect on, back on it, I don't think like, damn, I really wish I would have made chief and done X, Y, and Z. I think I would have been good. At it. I think I would have been good at make if I'd made senior make chief. But like when you reflect on it now, I was like, okay, I had a good time. Yeah, I didn't get this rank. I didn't get this base. I wanted this job. I didn't get it, but I did get this. I did deploy here. I do have this memory. I do have this picture of me in Iraq. I do have these four years in Germany. You know, so I I do have things. So like. If someone was like, hey, would you trade, you know, and do two more years if it promised you chief? I'm like, no, nah, like, because I have what I have and I have the time that I have now because I am not active duty. Right. So, yeah, it would have been beneficial. And somebody else might say, you might have said, you know what? Yeah, I would have taken chief. I would have done 24 years to make chief because I wouldn't want to do X, Y, and Z. And it's, I don't think there's a wrong answer, but I think it's just an enlightenment piece when you are already done. I think what these players are doing now, it's the ring chase and it's not making any sense. Right. Because what you're trying to do. They don't have a plan. 
you're ignoring all the other things you need. Like if you look at Denver's team, Denver had they drafted Nikola Jokic during the Taco Bell commercial. They had Jamal Murray. And then they just had pieces around, young pieces, veteran pieces that all order fell into their lap. Fell right into their lap. They paid him his money. Uh Aaron Gordon played for a couple of teams. And what he was doing in the playoff run, you didn't see that in Orlando. People remember him from the dunk contest, but you didn't see him running lanes, getting dunks like in game, getting lob passes in game, defending all on ball defender. Like he was like legit all ball defending, you know, Jimmy Butler or Bam. And you know, so it's like, but it's the same thing that Golden State got out of Wiggins. So a lot of these these superstar guys have been superstars their entire NBA, you know, through college, right, NBA career. Right. But now it's like, dog, winning teams don't need, like individual James Harden, winning teams don't need James Harden. Right. Like the Lakers don't need James. And I think the Lakers can take all the time. They don't need James Harden. The right. Dallas Mavericks don't need James Harden. Right. It's like you don't bring enough to the table at your status because you're not going to dive on the floor for balls. You're not going to play off the ball. You're not going to defend the other team's best player. Best player. Right. You're not going to rebound. You're not going to – we're not going to take the ball out of our best player's hands and give it to you. We're not taking the ball out of our second best player's hands and give it to you. So it's like the only teams I can really think, like back to Brooklyn, unlikely, down to Miami, unlikely like i don't know if like the whole heat culture thing i so i don't know do you go to milwaukee do you make a drew holiday james harden trade but does does he work as hard as Giannis? but does he mess up middleton's flow i mean you can move him as point guard and middleton can still be the two but you would need james harden to be like yo i'm full-on third fiddle right all the 82 games. And that was one of the complaints that we heard was that, like, he was missing, you know, how it was in Houston. You know, like, he he wants to go back to being more ball dominant, more, you know, uh, of a scorer that can facilitate versus the faci- the facilitator that can score if this, if, if these then go to Orlando. Game. You know what I mean? That, that actually probably, wouldn't be you, bad. That actually you, wouldn't but, be bad. But think about it. You probably can't go to Orlando because they got young talent. That they, they got young talent, and they're, and they're not near a championship. Like, what he wants to do, he has to go to a team, and he has to be willing to go, you know, 30 and 52. But see, but that's why – To see, play but that's, the way but he to some wants degree, to play. But to some degree, that's why the Clippers work, because Kawhi or Paul George or both are going to be out at some point. But once again, you got they got to give up something, and right? What whatever, when the Lakers traded all those pieces for Anthony Davis, Anthony Davis still was going to give you twenty points, ten rebounds, two and a half blocks. He was going to be a matchup nightmare for the other team's big man that could potentially get that guy into foul trouble, and he was going to do that consistently as long as he was healthy. Right? You know right. for a fact he was going to. Yes, you had to give up Lonzo Ball and Ingram and Josh Hart. And who else did they give up? Julius Randle. Julius Randle, yep. 
you know, so that's a lot of players to give up. But, you know, I'm getting 20 and 10, a couple of assists, a couple of blocks back. So now I just got to find a piece. I got to find a Rondo. I got to find KCP, KCP. KCP. Can I get Kuzma? Because they, they kept Kuzma. Well, right. Can I get Kuzma to give me what Josh Hart was going to give me? Can I get KCP to give me the points that Lonzo Ball could potentially give me? Because you're guaranteed. But if you give up, like if, let's, let's say a team, like Sacramento. If Sacramento decides, you know what, we want to give up. Who's, who's that bulldog uh, kid out of Baylor? Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell, uh, Malik Monk, and who else did they have? Keegan Murray, right? Uh-huh. If they give up those three guys, because that I'm assuming the money matches mm-hmm. for James Harden. Is James Harden going to give you what Davion Mitchell gives you? No. No. Is he going to give you what Keegan Murray gives you, where he just waits for the ball and spots up, spot up no. shoes? No. Is he going to give you what Malik Monk gives you, where, like, you can get some points, but you're kind of streaky. Probably. Probably. But that's it. So I'm But he I'm also won't want the ball, which takes the ball, want the ball the way more right. than Malik Monk. So it's like right. I don't know. I don't know where I don't know where he goes. Where maybe he he's at that Carmelo team. point. Like I felt like there was a point where Carmelo got phased out of the league, you know, where his style of play was because you know they went to the analytics. So it was like layup or three-pointer, all this in-between, mid-range, blah, blah, blah. And, and I felt like Carmelo got – so I think we're at that point with Harden where – I like, think Carmelo – I want to say he got blackballed because I think that – No, 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 not blackballed. Yeah, I just I think, think the game just changed to where his strengths weren't necessarily winning basketball anymore. But that's the thing. He – Carmelo never gave you – the other the stuff. other stuff right he gave right, right. you he gave you the matchups like the whole the school henderson conundrum right. like oh he'll get up for the big game like he'll defend right. Kobe all day he'll right. defend lebron he'll defend d wade but it's like if he is playing a tuesday night game against Detroit, Murray? no he's not you know what i mean but yeah he that's what i'm saying that's why that. i think james harden is like a good comparison for that like i think we're at that point where harden obviously has lost a step, you know, uh, but I, I ain't going to say he's washed, but he's lost a step, you know, and the game around him is getting quicker where speed wasn't necessarily his thing to begin with. So I think we're just at that point where unless he does those things that you, unless he takes that Ron Harper role, which you know, he's not going to do, which he's not going to do. He's done helping you be a contender. And that's and that's what I'm saying. Like, if you want to leave Philly, then you got to be prepared to go to a team that's going to go 30 and 52. Yeah, because nobody nobody else needs you. Like, no no like that. I don't want to be dismissive. Of nobody him. with championship aspirations. You don't you don't tip the scale you for anybody. Yeah, you you don't fit in there because and that's how I gonna, feel about Dame to some degree. Like, you know what I mean. And most of that is probably his size his more con- than anything. His con- but- I think his contract. I think his contract. Is probably the biggest piece. Yes, yeah, albatross makes him, not, makes him not a viable candidate for a contender in a trade because it's just gonna but see. But if he went to a team like, but, but you brought it up. If he went to a team like Orlando, I think that he's could work. Trade, like I said, he's trading apples for apple juice. No, no, I know, but 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 <clears> but, but but they have the talent that Portland doesn't have. They have Bancaro, they have Wagner. 
You know, they have Wendell Carter. So, like, even though they're young, you know, I mean, you know, a year from now, that could be – they could be on the level that, say, Brooklyn was at. But that's the thing. He'd be on the same level that he was in Portland, and it's like, what's the point of coming – What's the point of being in fifth, fifth or sixth or eighth place out west just to go east and do the exact same thing? Because we just saw an eight seed get to the finals, and if you're yeah, that but they dude, didn't, they, but they did, but they didn't bring in a guy. No, to they didn't. Get but them it, but also, but also, if you're that dude, then you're good enough to make up some of that difference. Like, like, oh, so, like so, 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 you know, we talk, we yeah, talk to, the, like, I, didn't, like, I didn't say like, but, but you're just, you're just doing the same thing. No, no, you're, no, but you don't, no, I get what you're, you're saying, not but, but, over it's, the but it's like, but it's like when we talk to people like Black Adam and they say things like, this person is great. He just kept running into Steph or he kept running into this person. He kept running into this person. Then at some point, maybe you're not as great as we think you are because no, but that's, you got, but you got to beat that person. Yeah, like, 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 like Clyde Drexler. Old, Clyde if Drexler that took out the Lakers. Always has a better team. If that person, no, no, I know, I know, a better but... team. It's only Jordan scored sixty-three points against the Celtics, and they lost that game, and they lost right. that series. They got swept. Even though uh, Larry Bird, uh, I don't want to misquote, but he's like, "That's not that's Jesus playing." That's Jesus, yeah, dressed disguised up as Michael yeah. Jordan. Yeah. So even with that level of like accolades, his team still beat the Bulls because it's you, you're going to run into Steph. But if your team isn't good enough, your team isn't good enough. And that's the thing is, like, if you are James Harden, uh, Dame Lillard, who else is trying to move? Like, even, like, Kyrie last – I think Kyrie last offseason, the, the, what they were talking – what they were saying about Kyrie last offseason about him going to another team and not being – is what they should be saying about James Harden. Because uh-huh. Kyrie going to any team, last, like last offseason, especially right, if they could have right. afforded him, would have been a, like if he could have gotten to the Lakers, that would have been a benefit to the Lakers because Kyrie isn't a guy that relies on his his size, you right. know, like his like he's always been quick, and he, you can't you can't most and people can't guard him one on, and he's still young, so uh-huh. I think people just want want to just bestow this narrative upon him that he was. This cancer to the team is like. Well, that's what well, I told look, you a couple of weeks Brooklyn, ago. Look what happened with Brooklyn. You know, that's what I told that. you a couple of weeks ago. Everything that they say about Kyrie applies, applies to, to Harden. Yeah, and yeah. a little bit applies to Dame Lillard because it's like you can't what you because Kyrie's never said anything about championships. Kyrie just didn't want it. Kyrie wanted your. He wanted the vibe to be right. He wanted the energy right. to be right. Remember, he right. was like burning sage and stuff right. like that. Right, and he. He, he wanted to, to the make his own Boston. path. Yeah, and he, was, and he, and he was good with whatever came of that path. Yeah, so he just was like, "Listen, I don't like the because like even at the loss, you could tell that a pretty sort of loss bothered him, but it wasn't like how Embiid was crying in the hallway at the right. losses and stuff like that. Well, yeah, because he always says like kind of had a, like, like, a basketball. bigger, the same yeah. thing that Jokic says. You know, like I want to go do this. I want to do X, Y, and Z. Right, and. And Kyrie could probably do that because he has a championship. He has like he was a part of a historic team. He was a major catalyst to a historic team and a right, historic, right, you know, right. comeback. And and people look at it like, oh, it was dumb for him to leave LeBron, but I think it was more like, I want to do this next thing. 
Like, I don't right. want to just be locked into we won the, the championship. I'm we won a championship. I'm staying with LeBron until he's done playing in Cleveland. Because what was going to do? Was going to go to L.A. with LeBron? Just so we can win. Even if we win more championships, you just go and tell me I was there for the ride anyway. Yeah. So he was like, you know what? I'm from New Jersey. I'm going to go to Brooklyn and play. And I think he did well. I mean, granted, he got traded to Boston first, and that just didn't work out. But Boston was a pretty successful team. He played a couple of years there. I think this 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 aura that they put around him as this, this team killer. Yeah, who like, knows if he didn't everybody have the finest talks injury, about him. Who knows if, if they didn't have the finest him, injury, they might have been in the finals. They might have beat Cleveland that year. People talk about Kyrie with admiration. The guys in the league, when they talk about him, you talk about him on a podcast. It's, it's not a lot of – and people don't like Chris Paul, and the, 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 in, the commentators love him. But players are like, yo, that's the dirtiest player in the league. Like Pat Bev, like, listen, you can ask around. Yeah. They're like – Chris Paul is the dirtiest player in the league. Yeah, I'm but not even yet, a player in the league, and every, I feel both of those. And every and everyone everyone loves him, and Kyrie yeah. just gets just banished as this bad guy because it's like no, like when people would talk about the vaccine, I know this is closing thoughts, we can go on forever. But he was like, I mean, I'm not going to judge him for making his decision, but you know, you're hurting your team. Then you are judging him for making the decision to be vaccinated. You yeah. are like, you can say, hey, I think he should have just played. You know, I get it, but. I personally think he should have played. You can't, you can't play both sides of the fence. Like I understand what he. Well, it wasn't he even him. Play. It was the city that had a mandate that wouldn't allow him to play. So yeah, it's not, can, it's not like he was he like sit, he can yeah. sit behind the bench. He can right. sit. He was sitting on behind the bench in right. Balenciaga hoodies, but couldn't suit up and play basketball. Yeah, so it's not like he said, "Yo, I just don't want to play tonight." Like the city said no, and then it was more so like. Well, why should we play you if you can only play half the games? But then when their season started tanking, they brought him back. Him. And he yeah. Was like and then, and then Orlando. Yeah. And then eventually the mandate went away. So, you know what I mean? So, like, people just be talking. As, as Ray John, as Ray John Lewis would say, you know, real talk with Ray John, people saying words. <laughs> yo, that's, yo, that's so simple and poignant, but it's perfect. Yeah. You know, that's all it is. And guys, this is what it is. Sports reports is ordered. That is Mr. Logical. I am 2-5. Thank you for your time. Thank you for your support. Thank you for listening. We will be back next week. We still got the NFC North to go. We still got the NFC West before we hit the AFC. And then we might sprinkle a little bit of college in there for y'all too. So, you know what I'm saying? Any parting shots? You know what? Just sometimes you got no one to hold them, no one to fold them. You guys aren't using your leverage properly. Next CBA for all these organizations, you guys really need to call the baseball union leadership and find out how they did what they did because baseball got everything they wanted. Everything. Defensive changes, offensive changes, payments, health plan, you know, stadium. Hell, Trevor Bauer is even eligible to come back. You know, what I'm Yo, <laughs> they got everything that they wanted. Yo, holler at those guys. Listen, All I'm saying is, they pick up people's good habits, not their bad habits. NBA, NFL, PA, y'all need to holler at baseball. Yeah, and figure and just out wait till we hit right away. Wait till we hit year five or six of Sports Reports is ordered and uh, 
the Falcons trying to lowball B. John Robinson, we're going to be saying the same thing. You know they gonna franchise because by then, by gonna... then, well, by then the CBA should be up again. So you know, like, you know, we'll see what happens. Yeah, we'll see. But listen, get some good information because I'm not sure you guys are getting the greatest bit of information from the people you currently uh, are advising you. Ah, ah. And on that note. <laughs> Peace love out, you, America. America. We love you. Leadership never stops.